go. Kick the bucket. Good. Um, just, before, just before I do the preach, it would be, I was thinking this week, it would be just brilliant if we could have another baptism. And is this a bit echoey? Yeah, it is a bit echoey. It's not just me. Good. Um, thanks. Um, uh, so, um, so if you've not been baptised, um, why be baptised? This is nothing to do with the sermon. This is just a free hand grenade thrown into the midst. So uh, firstly, because you want to follow Jesus' example, Jesus was baptised, wasn't he, in the River Jordan by John. So if you want to follow Jesus' example, then get baptised. Secondly, because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit tells you to. So it's difficult to wriggle out of that one, to be quite honest. Jesus said at the end of his life, go into all the world to believers, and as you go, teach people to do what I've said, starting with baptism. And baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, because it shows you're a believer. The Bible says those who heard and believed were baptized. They didn't believe and then spend the next 15 years thinking about it. They believed and they got baptized. So that's three reasons to be baptized. So if you're feeling slightly hot under the collar and got at, probably means that you need to do something about it. Uh, What's the meaning of baptism? Firstly, it's a symbol of Jesus' dying and coming up again. So it's a reminder of what... God does for us when we become a Christian that our our old life is finished. We still have issues to work with. If we had a broken leg before we got saved, we've probably still got one afterwards. So we've got our issues. But but nevertheless, we're a new creature and it's it's a reminder of new life. Secondly, it's a witness to people that something's happened to you. People, I know some people think, oh, I couldn't stand up and give my testimony. Well, that's okay. That's not really the testimony is getting baptized. That's the witness that you're doing what Jesus said and getting baptized. So don't worry about the testimony too much. We can chat about that. Uh, So it's those two things. Some people say, well, I don't feel ready yet. But the thing is, it's a bit like a birth certificate. You don't say when a baby's born, well, we won't get get a birth certificate because we don't know how this child's going to turn out. It's not a graduation certificate. You know, when you work three years and get your degree, then you get a, you get a certificate because you've achieved something. It's not like that. A baby's not achieved something. He's just been born. And so you get a birth certificate. Baptism's like that. It's a birth certificate. You say, well, what if I go wonky later on? What if I'm not a very good Christian? Well, I'm not always a very good person. Sometimes I need reminding where I come from and who I belong to. That's what a birth certificate does. You look at the birth certificate, you think, oh, yeah. They're my parents. That's when I was born. I'm one of those. I'm that family. That's what baptism's like. You look back on it, even if you put it technically, screwed it all up. You look back on it and you say, oh, yeah, that's who I am. I remember. So don't think I can't be, I'm not, I'm not yet achieved the grade. If you're a Christian, then you get baptized. Jesus was, sploshed under the water, came up again. There we go. Uh, do I say any more than that? Should I get ba- When should I get baptized? That's a good question somebody's asking well as soon as soon as you can when you know it's right and I don't mean when I know it's right I mean when I know it's right because Jesus told me to I don't mean some sort of spooky I don't think it's the right time yet the right time is when you know God's said it and he's said it because you can read all about it in here so anyway if you want to talk about it then I'd suggest if you've got a group leader 
chat to them about it. If, um, if you want to, you can chat to me or Jim or, or someone else that you see at the front. And uh, hopefully we'll have a baptism before too long. So uh, we're a church that believes in baptism, so I thought I'd just say it. Is that all right? I said it quickly because I want to get on to my talks and I haven't got much time left. So there we go. It's good to worship God and hear him speak. Anyway, we were, we've been doing a series and we got to the end bit in Hebrews 11, which is like heroes of the faith, a gallery of people that have run their race and are now looking, cheering us on. And there's a funny bit at the end where he, he, he just says, I haven't got time to tell you about, and then he mentions a few people. And some of them are slightly surprising, like we looked at Barak last week, who got a little bit of faith, but such a tiny bit that he wouldn't go and do what God told him unless a lady came with him to hold his hand. And you see, a hero of the faith, really? Him? Well, he's a bit like some of us, really. And the writer's sort of encouraging us. And I want to talk about another one. So if you've got a Bible, you can read about this one in the book of Judges, verse 11. His name's Jephthah. Jephthah. And uh, he's an unlikely guy. He's a guy that had sort of faith against the odds. Faith against the odds. And... uh, We'll read about him. His life began in poor circumstances, really, and it ended, it would seem, in tragedy, but he had faith. And I, I find that sort of encouraging in a way. So uh, let me read just uh, Judges 11 and verses 1 to 3. Jephthah, the Gileadite, just means that's where he came from, he was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead, his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You're not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you're the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob. Great name, I thought. The land of Tob. Where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. So he's a bit of a ruffian, really. He's from what you might call the wrong side of the tracks. I, I don't know what that means, but I, I know it's, you know, not good. So he was the son of a prostitute. So his dad was a married man, had a wife, but he slept with a prostitute. And the result of that, uh, nine months later, was Jephthah. So he was an, an illegitimate child, which in those days was a much bigger deal than it is nowadays. It was a huge thing to be illegitimate. And so he was despised, utterly despised as a person, and he was a poor. He, he, he was poor, and that, that hurts, doesn't it? Some of us have had different backgrounds to others of us. We know what it's like to have hurts, to carry things that cause us pain, to have a, a, a chip on the shoulder, or maybe if we're very balanced, a chip on both shoulders. You know, we, it, those sort of things that affect us in our ongoing life, things we struggle with. And then he was rejected by his half-brothers, the kids of his mum and dad. They rejected him and basically drove him out. So you're only here for the money, you're not getting any of our inheritance. So they drove him out. So he's also homeless. So this is a tough circumstance. It's not the sort of material you would think, oh, he's going to be a hero of the faith. Give it a couple of thousand years, they'll be writing scripture about him. You, you wouldn't have thought that about him, would you? He, he, you'd have thought, this is the kind of guy that's not going to come to a good end. He's not, he's not going to amount to much. He's got this too much damage there. That's the kind of thing you would think about him. But here's the thing. God chose him. 
God chose him. See, see, at the end of the day, when it comes to your identity, you're not about the things you've done wrong. That's not who you are. You are not the things you've done wrong. You are not your unfortunate background. That's not who you are. You are who God says. It's his thoughts about you that define who you are. That's really important. Who you are is not what, where you screwed up. It's not the damage other people have done to you. It's not your background. Has that affected you? Yes, of course it has. Has it hurt you? Very probably. But that's not who you are. Who you are is God's thoughts about you. Let me take you straight away to the, the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, talking to Christians in the family of God, think of what you were when you were called by God. Not many of you were wise by human standards. In other words, we were unwise. Not many of you were influential. In other words, a lot of them were nobodies. Not many were of noble worth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So no one can boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. He's our righteousness. He's our holiness. He's our redemption. So let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. He had a poor start, but God chose him. And I want to say, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ today, that's your identity. He's your rightness, not your background. He, he's your rescue. He, he and his thoughts about you are your identity. You're his child. You're his representative. You're the temple of his Holy Spirit. No one was more despised than Jephthah, but God chose him. And he didn't chose him just to be one of his people. He chose him actually to be the next deliverer of Israel. And so um, what, what happened was Jephthah went, went off into the wilderness and, um, and became a ruffian. But he also became a mighty warrior. And in the end, the, uh, the leaders came and begged him to follow him, to, to be their, their um, leader. It's amazing. Sometimes later, it says in verse 4, the Ammonites were fighting, fighting against Israel and the elders went to get him. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. And Jephthah reminds them that they drove him out from the family household. And they said, well, we, nevertheless, we're turning to you now. Come and be the head over all of us. Amazing, isn't it? God chose him. Amazing. Can I, can I say this? Don't think that God can't use you because of your background. And I'm coming against a lie that goes through many of our heads. God can't use me because. And you can fill in the dots because it, be, it could be, God can't use me because I'm in a strange land. God can't use me because I don't know many people. God can't use me because I've got this chip on my shoulder. God can't use me because I'm not very educated. I'm too fat, I'm too thin, I'm too something. Or I'm not like somebody else, even if it's a fictional person. Or someone sitting next to you. That's a lie, isn't it? Don't think God can't use you. Don't reject yourself because of past rejections. 
Some of us do that. We've been rejected, we've been hurt, so we, so we keep others at a distance. Don't do that. No, the point is, God chose you. That's the key thing. God loved you, and he loves you, and he'll use you, and he'll equip you. One of the battles some of us have, including myself, is, is if pressure comes on, we do self-pity. Jephthah could have fallen for that big time. Oh, poor me. I was rejected. My mum, my dad, I was prostitute, no money, kicked out. No, he didn't do that. God loves you. God can mend you. God can heal you. God can use you. Equally, can I say this? Let's not overlook others. That's an easy thing to do, isn't it? To look around and think, oh gosh, ever do that? Oh, it's two dishonest people here, dis- oh, two honest people here. And we do sometimes, don't we? We look on and think, oh my word, oh my life, what am I going to, oh man. No, no, God can use anyone. See, not everyone has the advantages that some of us have. Not, every, not everyone has that. Not everyone's from a nice home. Not everyone's got the, the abilities you've got. We're all different. And we've all got different backgrounds, different strengths, different weaknesses, different things we've done wrong in the past, different things we wouldn't want the person sitting next to us to know about. All of that. We're all different. But God values everyone. And everyone's life and everyone's struggles are important to him. And he was looking on Jephthah, whom others despise, and says, but he's my boy. Other people were despising him. Other people were rejecting him. But God was saying, I'll, I'll have that one. I love that one. And the, and the truth is, this morning, we're all his favorite. We're all his favorite. It's a wonderful thing. So let's, not, let's value ourselves because of what he thinks about us. And let's value everyone else. Hands up if you're an um, uh, unplanned baby. Some of you looking, you're not sure. You're not sure, I don't know, was I? I'll have to ask my mum. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I was a fantastic surprise to my mum. At least that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> the truth is, whether you were planned or unplanned, wanted or unwanted, a total shock and a horror, God wanted you. God loved you. He put you together in your mother's womb, it says in Psalm 139. Psalm 139. He loves you with a fierce love. So be glad of that. Rejoice in that. God wanted you. I love that. I, I like The Lion King. Uh, anyone that's seen that movie? It's great, isn't it? And, and one of the bits I like, I like the pig. Everything comes out wrong for the pig, doesn't he? But actually, he's, he offers wise advice, does old Pumbaa, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And one of the things he says, there's the young lion running away from his destiny, like lots of Christians run away from what they're supposed to be doing. And, the, and the, uh, uh, because of the past, because things went wrong for him and his dad got killed and blah, blah, blah. And the pig comes up to him and, and, and he gives him some wise counsel and he says, you've got to put your bottom behind you. <laughs> and all he was trying to say was, you've got to put the past, you've got to put your bottom in the past, was it? It's something, anyway, huh? you've got to put your behind in the past. What he meant was you've got to put your past behind you. Now, sometimes we need a bit of help with that, don't we? Sometimes we need a bit of prayer. Sometimes we need a lot of prayer. But we've got to put our bottom in the past we've got to put the past behind you because your your background and the things you've done don't determine where you're going they're behind you what matters is who you're looking to and the direction you're facing 
Look to God and face forwards. Forget the past. It's behind. Stretch forward to the future you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyway, Josh, Jephthah becomes this soldier leader with a sort of wild bunch. They're all a bit wild west. And what he does is he goes to the surrounding nations that are godless and basically starts killing them and, and getting rid of them and raiding them. And, and then one of their biggest um, uh, opposition countries, if you like, starts a war. And that's why they come and get him and say, come and be our commander. Chapter 11, verse 4 to 6. And it, he points out their past rejections and they, they call him anywhere. And, and then there's a key verse, 11, verse um, 29, where it says this, that then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. Oh, I love that verse. Then the Spirit of the Lord. You see, the God that called him equipped him. And the God that calls you equips you the holy spirit comes on he goes off to fight them and he wins a great victory you can read all about it if you want to later on and here's the thing that we don't often really take into account as we should the holy spirit is with you i i know oh i know that no 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 listen the holy spirit god's holy spirit is with you paul had to remind the corinthians of that one corinthians 3 verse 16 don't you know you are the temple of the holy spirit and god's spirit lives in you you have a a, like a secret advantage the holy spirit himself is with you see jephthah didn't have that that, i mean he was a it was a bad boy and everything but that wasn't what won the great victory in the end it wasn't it wasn't just that he was a roughhouser it was that the spirit of god came on him so he had some, some ability with the sword, but it wasn't his natural ability that did it. God takes you to the end of your natural ability so that you'll know the strength has to come to him. Exactly what was talked about this morning. You face, the, you face a storm. Sometimes the storm is allowed by God so that you get to the end of your own strength and say, I can't do it. I need your strength. I need to rise up on your wings like an eagle. You're the great counselor. I don't know what to do now. You're the almighty God. I've run out of strength. You're the Prince of Peace, I've run out of peace. So you rely on him. It was the Spirit of God coming upon him that caused that great victory. That's why the Bible says, continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Go on being filled again and again. Walk close to the Lord. Take time to pause. Take time to realize, actually, why why am I so exhausted? Well, because I've been doing this in my own strength. And, and you come to God and you say, God, I am powerless. Fill me with your spirit. Come and help me. Do what only you can do. God equipped him. A- and then <coughs> the story goes, well, horrible. Horrible, really. Because in chapter 11, verse 30, after this victory, it says, And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hand... Whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Then down in verse 34, when he returned to his home, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of tambourine? She was an only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh no, my daughter, you have brought me down. I am devastated. I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot 
break. So this is a foolish moment. This is a stupid, stupid thing he does. Ever do anything stupid? Apparently I'm the only one. <laughs> Congratulations to you all. It's only me. <laughs> he did a stupid thing. See, God didn't require such a vow. In fact, it was one of the reasons God was uh, getting rid of the nations in there. We haven't got time to look up the verses. They're called the detestable practices of the nations. One of them was human sacrifice. So God didn't, not only didn't require it, he expressly said, don't do that. And this guy makes this silly vow to sacrifice whatever, whoever came out the door. What a crazy, what, what was going through his head? See, Jephthah was a great soldier. He's not a great spiritual leader. You may notice that. He's, he's not a man of the word of God. He really, he really isn't. And he falls into what you might call a sin of the times. Now, nowadays, we look back and we think, that's just crazy, that's horrific. But it was a sin that was happening at the time in all the nations around. See, his faith had been weakened by the world in which he lived. He'd mixed it. He got a mixture of the true religion, true word of God and following him, and Canaanite religions, the religions of the tribes round about. And he was morally confused. That strike any notes? If I meet Christians that are a bit morally confused, maybe some of us feel a bit morally confused. And then his daughter comes out of the house and he thinks, well, oh, I'll have to sacrifice her then because I've made this. He's got a sincere faith that's not knowledgeable. It's, it's, um, it's an interesting question, isn't it? What influences you? Is it the Word of God? Is it the current thoughts of Channel 4? Is it, you know, I'm, I'm serious. What influence, is, it, is it the stream of the world's ideas that we're, we're swept along by like a, some sort of tsunami, some, something like the floods in, in Florida or whatever? We're just swept along by the stream of whatever thinking's going on in the world. We're swept, swept along by, well, it is 2017. Is it that or is it the word of God? It's a challenging question. It's very easy to point our fingers back at Jephthah and not think about our own morality, our own decision-making, and, and whether we're influenced by the detestable practices of our own society. Her, her death would be tragic. It would end Jephthah's line, of course. All her hopes, her dreams of future marriage and family life. Wow. Can I, can I say, don't neglect the word of God. I, I know sometimes you get to a tricky bit, you don't understand it. Well, read a different bit. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> There's a lot of it, you know. It's quite a thick book. Read a different bit. There's a bit you don't understand. Well, try doing the bits you do understand. Your problem, isn't, your problem isn't the bits you don't understand. Your problem is reading the bits you do understand and doing it. Huh? Let's, let's start there. It's quite simple. It's not rocket science, really. See, the truth is, in our part of the world, and by, by that, all the Nigerians are given an exception, but in the Western world, Western Europe, over the last hundred years, we've turned our back on, on Christian morality. That's just, that's just a true truth. That's what's happened. And so it takes a few generations. So, so maybe two or three generations. They're saying, well, ago, depending on your age, two for me, people were saying, well, 
he should get married and you should stay married and you should have children within marriage and then that sort of went and people said well I don't know why we're doing that really let's just live together and then and then that went and then it's well what do you have to get married to a bloke and, and then it, and then it's well am I a man or a woman could I be both and there's lots of examples of that and not just looking at the sex thing that's just an obvious one there's lots of examples where our society now is getting just like it was in judges where it says everybody did what was right in their own eyes now in the western world doing what's right in your own eyes is seen as a virtue that's is in the uk today doing what's right in your own eyes unless it's child abuse or murder or possibly blowing something up doing whatever you feel like is seen as a wonderful thing can i say it isn't it isn't we think that's freedom in the west it isn't it's shall i tell you what it's like it's like putting a a a ring in the nose of the bull and pulling the bull along we think we're free but actually we're just being pulled along by the nose by the world's ideas oh i sound very old suddenly but it's true we're not free we're just doing what the world tells us to do and the world is saying do what you want long as you don't harm anybody but the truth is our society is being harmed and it's just like it was in the book of judges everybody does what's right in their own eyes that's that's not liberty that's bondage to the world's ideas it's just a slavery rather than the freedom of doing what god's word says so we neglect god's word at our our peril it leads to moral chaos we've lost we lose our compass and terrible consequences for Jephthah and his daughter, who wouldn't let him break his vow. Now, then there's a big argy-bargy, if you're an academic, about whether he did sacrifice her or didn't sacrifice her. And it's completely futile, because it's an argument from silence. I think he probably did, but some people say he didn't. And they point to verses where, for example, there were ladies that served at the tabernacle who were almost like nuns. So perpetual non-marriage and they served at the tabernacle and there's some verses in Leviticus that say if you make a a big vow that you're going to sacrifice a bullock you can give them some cash instead so if he was cash rich maybe he could have paid them off or I don't know but whatever it was a disaster it's a disaster so that's that's the story now isn't it funny that God chose this guy to be put forward as a hero of the faith don't you how odd of God don't you think that from time to time? This guy's a, a hero. He's a muddlehead. He's a ruffian, but, but on the other hand, he trusts God. He's a nobody, but on the other hand, the Spirit of God causes him to deliver a whole nation. He's a leader, but he's an idiot. He's, he's all of those things. Does that sound familiar to anybody? <laughs> I'm thinking, hey, he's just like me, really. So what? Well, before we point our finger at Jephthah, let's say this. He had real faith in God in dark times. And God loves your faith. You might be confused about this question and that question and the other question. You might think, oh, but my background and all the rest of it. But God loves this guy's faith. Because without faith... Hebrews 11 verse 6, it's impossible to please God. So having faith, just having faith, pleases our God. So if you have faith, if you're trusting him, praise God. 
Praise God, that's wonderful. And God loves that about you. Whatever muddle is going on around you, God loves and values my faith and your faith. Here's another question. Rather than pointing our finger at Jephthah, let's let's turn it around and say this. What would you and I be willing to sacrifice for God? Oh, you're stupid, isn't it? His own daughter, that's just stupid, isn't it? Okay, okay, that's stupid. But leave that to one side. Let's ask, hey, what, what would we sacrifice for God? What would we be willing to? Would we be, would we be willing to sacrifice to God a wrong relationship? It's very easy to love someone that you shouldn't love. Would you be willing to sacrifice that? God asked you to. What about your reputation as a very cool person? God's not that impressed with cool people. It's just an act anyway, isn't it, really? What's cool, today's cool is tomorrow's uncool. But, but, but for some of us, that's a big issue. We want to look good. Most of us actually want to look good to somebody. Are we, will we be prepared to sacrifice that? What about a step forward in your career or a knock back to your bank balance? What would you be prepared to sacrifice for God? I remember um, Terry Virgo, who used to lead our family of churches, they're singing a hymn about I'd give you my heart, I'd give you everything and they've got a building project on and, he, and he's singing, so yeah I'll give you everything and he said as clear as a bell he, he heard the Lord saying thank you I'll have the ISA <laughs> that's a real issue for some of us you know Jesus said oh, people's lips say all sorts of things but where's their heart what would we be willing to sacrifice to God. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything Jesus has done for you, how he took your sin, how he took you from being condemned and brought you close to God, in view of everything he did on the cross, offer your bodies, your whole self, in other words, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's your true and proper worship. And don't conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What will we sacrifice for God? What will we put on the altar? Our whole bodies? Most of what we've got, but don't touch that, Lord. Keeping that back. It's a challenge, isn't it? But it's a good challenge. And, and here's the third thing. Have we kept our promises to God? Because we don't make so many vows today. There's marriage vows keep them just keep them but you know sometimes we do we do like i just said we we make promises to god when we're singing don't we most of all lord i give you my heart i'll give you all the glory i'll live for you alone we've all sung those things haven't we let's keep our vows to god he's not to be played with there's a seriousness to our faith let's count the cost and live for him amen Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Just want to pray particularly for those who might think, for whatever reason, God, God can't use me. Let, let Jephthah be your hero. God can use anyone. He chooses you and he loves you. Father, we together reject the lie that God can't use me because... That God can't love me because. We reject that lie in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we thank you that the truth is that you can use anyone. We thank you that the truth is that you've loved us with an everlasting love. Thank you that the truth is that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that the truth is that he who is in us is greater than he that's in the world. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we pray in the, the days in which we live, when people's moral compasses have been smashed, where everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes, where society's rejected your word that's kept us more or less stable for so long, we ask you that we would be people who know your word and live by your word. We reject the lie that doing whatever we feel like is freedom. Help us to understand, Lord, that it's not freedom to just be dictated to by the world's thinking. It's bondage. We ask you that you'd help us to walk in the freedom of the sons of God, led by your word and led by your spirit. And we pray that so the name of Jesus will be glorified, so that we would shine like stars in the middle of a crooked and perverse world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.